Hey, what is up? Hello, and welcome in to Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. I am the Downey half of, yes, this dynamic duo, no matter what my co-host says. I am Trey Downey, and as always, along with me is the one and only Lynn Martez. Lynn, another week down in this NFL offseason, we have wrapped up mandatory minicamp. You ready to go? Happy wrap-up minicamp day to you, Trey Downey. You know what? We've got, uh, let's see, it's June 10th. So let's just say the middle of June. We've got a slow period before training camp starts, baby. And before you know it, 2021 football season, like never before, 17 games will be upon us. So we don't have the official dates yet for Tampa Bay Buccaneers training camp, but usually starts around the last week of July or so. So we've got about a month and a half before uh, we will be back at one buck place covering training camp for. Don't be that guy, Trey Downey. Don't be that guy. What did I do? Message to you. That's Bruce Arians telling his team. Oh, yeah. Don't be that guy. That's the annual. Don't get in trouble. Yeah. That's the annual Bruce Arians message to his team. Don't be that guy. And I bet you Tom Brady echoes a, a similar message now that now that he's there with those guys as well. Now, this week at Mandatory Minicamp, Lynn was out there Tuesday and then Thursday. I was at Thursday's practice. We will get into what we saw at practice and then comments made by Bruce Arians and some of the players via Zoom this week. But before we get into it, just a quick social reminder. Follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. Follow Lynn at LMart810 and follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. For your latest on everything Tampa Bay Buccaneers, go to BucksNation.com. You don't want to miss anything up there. And then wherever you're listening to this, whether it be iHeart, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button or now on Apple Podcasts, hit that plus button. That way, every time this podcast is updated, every time a new episode is uploaded you don't even have to do anything it will just download automatically to your feed whether you're listening on your phone or even your tablet whatever you're listening to you will get it and if you're on apple leave us a review helps out those algorithms so more people can find the podcast but len uh we'll start with this week going back in reverse a little bit and before mandatory minicamp started it was uh, reported that the Buccaneers gave both Bruce Arians and Jason Light new contracts. I don't believe any uh, years were extended on to Bruce's contract, but he got a well-deserved raise as a now Super Bowl champion head coach. And Jason, But Jason Light did get an extension. He looks like he is going to be around here for a very long time in Tampa Bay. And it is such a stark contrast from where we were a couple of years ago when Dirk Cutter was out the door and a lot of us expected Jason Light to be out of that door the same exact day 
but his relationship with Bruce Arians extended his life here in Tampa Bay uh, as he was able to bring in that guy as, as the new head coach of this football team. And now look at where they are with pretty much every publication you can find saying that the Bucks had the best offseason this year after winning the Super Bowl. But what I want to get into specifically about that was earlier this week and talking about the contracts and things like that, Bruce Arians was asked, about how long he wants to continue coaching. And I personally have kind of tied Bruce to Tom Brady and saying that I personally think when Tom walks off into the sunset, Bruce walks off into the sunset. Asked earlier this week, he said maybe he wants to coach longer than Tom Brady plays. He threw a maybe in there. So I'm still kind of going with, with my prediction, but you know, It'd be maybe we've started this kind of coaching waiting thing with the coordinators on this team a little bit too soon. Well, let's let's go back a little bit because you okay. you talked about a lot in in stating about how where we were three years ago back in the end of the twenty seventeen season eighteen or yeah eighteen season. not. So yeah. yeah, the end of the 2018 season and the fact that funny how the dominoes fall into place because for one, that Sunday night that the news came out that Dirk was no longer the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there's a few things that had to happen between that time that it was decided that Dirk was no longer going to be here and the, the fact that Jason Light was. Things had to happen. Dominoes had to fall into place. And certainly can't confirm this, but the way things worked out and how the dominoes fell into place is that Jason Light was able to deliver Bruce Arians. And that's what he probably told the folks that made the decision to let Dirk go, meaning the Glazers and the ownership. He told them, and like I said, this is me speculating, but he probably told them, I can deliver Bruce. And that's what got him to stay here as a general manager. But let's understand something too. The dominoes fell into place before Bruce got here too, because there's a lot of that defense that we applaud now Mm -hmm. that played for Todd Bowles the last two years that was already in place. So it was as... Bad as those teams were, that Dirk Cutter may have coached and it, and played under 500 for the last couple of years, the foundation, the foundation of this team was already in place and was placed there by Jason Light. We forget that fact. But moving forward again, the next domino to fall into place after Bruce Arians came, was you got Tom Brady. And when that domino fell into place, obviously you deliver a Super Bowl championship. So as far as those two guys tied together, listen, we can sit here and we can speculate like I just did in regards to when Bruce is going to ride off to the sunset. But in reality, right now, when it comes to 2021, he's going to say those type of things in regards to continuously coaching and coaching longer than maybe someone else is going to be playing quarterback. But we don't know that. Heck, over a decade ago, 
I was in a press conference down Allegan Alley in the 305 <laughs> where that head coach said, I guess I'm not going to be the coach of Alabama Crimson Tide. And less than three months after that, he left. So and now he's got a contract through 2029. My yeah, lord! Yeah, he, yeah, he's gonna he's he's gonna he's gonna be eating uh, early bird specials and still coaching the Crimson Tide. Uh, but God bless Nick Saban because he turned he turned the situation into, into what seven national champions. But whatever it is, bottom line is this: as I wrap this long diatribe, uh, is the fact that Bruce said what he said, but. You take it for what it's worth at the time that he said it, meaning things change, things, things change. And Bruce may decide after, you know, if things work out the way that uh, Buccaneers fans wanted to work out, that they win another championship this year, win back to back. Bruce might decide, I don't have anything else to do. I've won back to back. So he may decide, he may decide to move out of the way and, and let one of the coordinators who are here uh, be that coaching waiting as we stated. But I don't know. I don't know that that's just because he said uh, he wants to coach longer that I would take that and and run with it. No, I'm not running with it because it to me it was interesting because you're skipping, I, a, you're skipping a little bit with it at least. You're, you're skipping. I you're I least, feel like you're, it was you're at least now you're not walking with it. You're kind of taking a little jog with it. I feel like it was the first time that. Bruce made a comment like that more when he's made comments like that. It's been towards the side of maybe I'll win the Super Bowl and, and, and just ride off after that. But then this season he said, I'm coming back for another. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I just thought it was that it was interesting because it was the first time uh, he had made a comment like that. Far be it for me. Cause BA, I, I mean, there are there are coaches that I've covered in this business, being in it for twenty five plus years, and there's coaches that I like. I don't like that man <laughs> because he just wasn't a nice man. <laughs> ba is not that guy. B is a ba is on the opposite end of that. He's he, he's been a, a refreshing coach to to cover the last uh, two years plus here in Tampa Bay. Uh, but with that. I say that because there are things that he says in the past that just didn't pan out. I mean, well, that's, a, a, that's think about that's, the AB situation. Think about eighty-one. One hundred percent. When eighty-one was 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 doing the things that he was doing, he didn't have a team, and there was talk about bringing him here. What did he say? He didn't not want to bring happen. him here. Yeah, exactly. So, and what happened? He ends up being him, being part of his Super Bowl winning team. So again. Timing, things are said in, in, in at times, like now, when he said about wanting to coach longer, but you wouldn't know the Super Bowl and things change. Things do change. And one of the biggest factors in the AB situation was one Tom Brady. And let's talk about things changing from week to week. Last week, we talked about this on the podcast. What was and said, what did I tell you? What was said at OTAs <laughs> when Bruce was asked about Tom Brady, and he said Tom's going to be doing a lot of coaching mm -hmm. at the mini camp. And yeah. what happened this week? <laughs> Lynn, score one for Lynn Martez. Tom Brady was suited up and was a full participant in all three days of mandatory mini camp. Obviously, no surprise to you. 
No, because all, all you have to do is watch the man practice, practice and know that he's not taking anything for granted. And I'm talking about TB12, Tom Brady. You're out there in, in June watching him take, take part in a mini camp. Yeah, he might have ran out late to the start of uh, mini camp the first day on Tuesday. By the way, Bruce said, it's okay. He can be late. <laughs> he can be late. He's doing maintenance on his body. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Whatever. <laughs> Tom's okay. I'll call you an Uber, Tom. It's all right. It's no big deal. But because he's Tom Brady. But it's also because he doesn't take anything for granted. Seven-time Super Bowl champion. He's out there in June in the minicamp. And you watch him. And you watch him pay attention to the detail that he does. 43 years old. Going to be 44 before the start of the season. And still doing the things that he's doing. That's why I knew last week that he wasn't going to be standing around watching, watching the other quarterbacks take part in the minicamp because he wants to make sure that he is ready. The guy is, I mean, just super to detail and he wants to make sure that he's in being ready with his teammates. You think he's doing those workouts, private workouts to come and, and then stand around and watch the rest of his teammates in the minicamp to, to, to not take part? I knew that he was going to take part, whether Bruce wanted him to or not. Bruce, my, Bruce had, to get, had to get a hook to, to pull him out because he still wanted to do other stuff. But I knew Tom was going to take part. He's not going to stand around and, and, and be in the back, be in the back by, the, by Bruce's golf cart and, and, and not take part in the practice. Are you kidding me? That guy? No way. Yeah, no, he, you aren't catching Tom Brady on a golf cart anytime soon unless he's uh, he's playing golf with uh, with Phil Mickelson and those guys. Which he will. Uh, guys, once again, yes, against uh, against Aaron Rodgers this time, not one Peyton Manning. So let's talk about what Tom Brady uh, said to the media and Zooms this weekend, specifically the comments he made in regards to the question from Jenna Lane, where Jenna uh, Jenna of ESPN asked him to diagnose his knee injury and what went on there and what he had to have surgery to specifically fix. Tom Brady politely declined to diagnose his injury and then they made comments that he knew probably before last season even started that he was eventually going to have to have uh, a procedure done in regards to this knee we've talked about it before and we talked about it with uh comments that Clyde Christensen made about Tom Brady that he thought it was a nagging issue all of last season and how great that season looks even more so in retrospect knowing uh how much his knee was bothering him does it I mean he looks healthy now so I guess it shouldn't worry us that he doesn't want to diagnose what the actual injury was it does make me think that it's more than was was let on whatsoever and that it might have been a little bit more of a major procedure than what anyone thought another reason why i like the guy fact that he flat out said look i i, I never like talking about injuries i'm old school in that way which kind of makes you think okay stated he, he had been dealing with it since last april may 
But you go through, and granted there were, there were no preseason games because of COVID, but you go through the 16-game season, the playoffs, and a Super Bowl, and then the end of that run, that's when we find out about the injury. <laughs> which kind of things, which kind of, yeah, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to talk about injuries and you're old school and I get it. And that's, like I said, it's another reason why I like Tom, but there's a certain thing in the NFL, <laughs> there's a protocol in the NFL where you got to let them know about injuries, especially when it's serious enough to have your knee cleaned up after the year. So whatever it is, when it comes to Tom Brady talking about being even better this year because of not having the knee injury. Um, it's slightly scary when you thought, when you think about how that team got on the run they got on and how he threw the football near the end of the season, because at the end of the season, he may have played his best football and it may have been because of the verbiage and learning the offense and, and the, the offense running the way he liked running it, meaning Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians structured things to run it the way he wanted things to run, taking the things that he liked to do and he was effective in doing and making that the staple of the game plan. But let's remember, that's the end of the season. And that was when he was dealing with the knee injury still. So you're talking about, what do we always say? Oh, by this time of the year, nobody's 100%, right? Because of the wear and tear of the season. Well, the wear and tear of the season when Tom was Tom Brady's playing his best football. Think about that. Let that settle in because he needed the surgery as far back as April last year, yet he was playing his best football when supposedly the wear and tear of the season was supposed to be taking him down. Maybe that TB12 method does work. You need to get so, on it. Get on it. <laughs> hey, I think I'm doing pretty pretty good for myself. Yeah, uh, all right. The, You're doing all day, right. You're doing all right. Uh, but you do, you're doing all right. Let's get into let's get into uh, another one of the quarterbacks on this football team, and that's Kyle Trask. The rookie Bruce was asked today what he saw from Kyle Trask uh, during mandatory minicamp and how he improved. And Bruce said the speed uh, ramped up this week, and that was expected with everyone here. the The Super Bowl winning defense that we talked about it during OTAs. The only guy with a significant role on this defense on the Super Bowl team, somewhat even of significant role that was here, was Anthony Nelson. This week, you had your that entire secondary. You had your Levante Davids. You had your JPPs, your Shaq Barretts. You had all of those guys here, and Kyle Trask was able to get in, work, and Bruce Arians thought that he adjusted to the speed well. I think once we get into training camp, we're going to be able to – really see more of how Kyle Trask is developing, but Bruce commenting on him going with the flow and adjusting to the speed. Well, is another good sign, I think for his development in the NFL. And that's, what's expected when you, when you're talking about going from rookie mini camp to mini camp and, and or OTAs and then mini camp, you're expected to elevate yourself each time as much as possible to learn what it takes to take the verbiage and the, the offensive game plan that you're learning inside that building and take it outside onto the field and to rapidly make decisions that are going to be the right ones, but also keep this team ahead of the chains and the ball moving down the field and picking the right guys 
and going through your progressions. All that's the kind of stuff that Kyle Trask has gradually learned how to do. When Bruce talks about going faster, he's not talking about his feet. He's not talking about anything other than his mind and the process that he's going through when it comes to running that offense. Yeah, and Trask, obviously, as a rookie, has still has a long way to go, and we're going to see more and more of that in training camp. I still have hopes that he's the backup quarterback and is active come week Go away with that. Go against... away with that. Go away. Go away with that. Go away with that. That's not where we're at. Go away with that. That's we'll not get... where this team's at. We'll get... He's a rookie. He's a rookie. He's going to be a rookie for 2021. Okay, let's talk about, let's talk about another rookie who specifically today impressed me. And we've talked a lot about – this guy's measurables, how he's going to be great on special teams as a gunner. But when you get to see them out there against great wide receivers, things pop out to you. And one, Chris Wilcox, the rookie cornerback out of BYU, going head to head against Mike Evans and making a phenomenal play in coverage. And not just the coverage impressed both of us. You mentioned how his size stuck out. This is a guy we've talked a lot about in special teams. This secondary has improved greatly over the past few years, but this is another guy who I think isn't just going to be playing on special teams for very long if he continues to make plays like the one we saw today. Yeah, back to my original point when it came to you brought up the extension for Bruce and Jason Light. And again, that secondary is something that Jason Light has been putting together for the last couple of years. Yep. Whether it be the first year before Bruce and then after Bruce got here, but they've been adding pieces to that secondary for the last couple of years. And now you have, you have it where you're at now with Todd Bowles running it. Pretty much everyone who's pretty much everyone who's playing in the secondary was drafted by Jason Light in the past, what, three, four years. Who's the yes. veteran of this of of the secondary? Is it is it and Whitehead, that, Carlton? Like, it's a good question because here's the thing that that we had been talking about prior to years ago when this young secondary was put together. We talked about, oh, does this team need a do they need a a, a veteran presence in that in that defensive back room? Do they need, and you know what they proved to us? We don't know what we're talking about because we don't need one. Whether it be Carlton Davis or Jordan Whitehead, those guys have taken care of their business when it comes to being the leaders inside that defensive back room. But when it comes to Wilcox and anyone else that, that is competing in mini camp or in training camp, bottom line is iron sharpens iron. And whether it's Wilcox, or Carlton Davis, they go go up to they get to go up against Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Whether it's Shaq Barrett goes up against Worfs, Tristan Worfs, or Worfs gets to go up against him. And Shaq Barrett talked about it today when he uh, met the media on the Zoom. He talked in reference to the fact that Tristan Worfs was the best tackle he saw all year last year meaning the opponents or in practice. <laughs> and again, iron sharpens iron. And when it comes to Chris Wilcox, who's a rookie in this league, but as you mentioned, yeah, you line up against Mike Evans and all of a sudden you look and he's got to give a couple of inches up, 
but he's still 6'2. And there aren't a whole lot of there aren't a whole lot of wide receivers that are, that are as big as Mike. So when Chris Wilcox gets to gets to play against guys, hopefully in, in his rookie season, or maybe, maybe not hopefully, because it, it might be because of an injury, mm-hmm. but whatever it is, when he does go up against guys and when he sees the field. They probably won't be as good as Mike Evans. <laughs> so he'll be sharp because iron sharpens iron. Yeah, definitely, definitely impressed by, by Wilcox. Every time you go to one of these practices, it's ten, it, it's hard to tell, you know, a ton from them, but one or two guys usually always sticks out. And Wilcox was that guy uh, this week for me. Mike made a ton of good plays as well made you know down the seam you know I saw him do a good post route uh from Tom Brady as well so that connection is definitely still there and I do think that maybe even even not with injury I I mean Jamel Dean and those guys definitely improved and the Bucks have hopes for Antonio Hamilton who they signed uh this offseason as well but I think that Wilcox can definitely uh step in there and get some work as a corner and not just a special teams guy this season uh Lynn you were out there on Tuesday as well I want to ask you if if there was anything any plays or any players over the course uh, of this mini camp that kind of uh, stuck out to you or any other comments that Bruce made or a player made this week that you want to uh, dig into before we move forward. Uh, we got to see number nine. Yeah. Got to see nine out there. Uh, Joe Tryon, uh, full go, you know, and Bruce talked about, you know, he showed a good skill set. Obviously we're not in total pads yet, but there's still things that you can show, and again, it's about applying what you learn inside that building and play, putting it out on the practice field and how you, how you adapt to being in the NFL as a rookie. And, and from all accounts, whether it be Shaq Barrett talking about him today or, or Bruce Arians talking about him today or even on Tuesday, all things to go when it, come, when it comes to nine. He's, he's where he needs to be right now. Um, the thing that I, I, I like is don't forget where we were this time last year. We were talking about Yes, gaining a six-time Super Bowl champion at that time, six-time being Tom Brady, but he was adapting to a new offense. And he was, prior to training camp, he was having those workouts with his guys, but those guys were new guys to him. And that playbook was new to him. All that, again, they've got a year under their belt. So now you've got Tom, who's able to take that playbook and that offense and apply it in the private workouts that they've had, but also be in that mini camp and know the verbiage of the offense and how the, how things are to go that. And, and granted, listen, when it comes to the NFL, that's where everybody wants to be, right? You want to be, you want to have the continuity of the offense and the defense. Well, this team has the continuity like no one in the NFL. Because they're returning 22 stars. Think about what we usually hear when it comes to the rosters changing on a yearly basis, annually. You figure 30% of your roster is going to go away and you're going to have new guys come in. Well, at one buck at Evan Hill Training Center? What is it, five? Maybe. It's certainly not. It's not going to be 5% new guys with young guys coming in. That's it, with rookies. 
but but most importantly, and, and granted, that's 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 good because you're talking about you're talking about adding quality pieces. But most importantly, the 22 plus one with Antonio Brown, all returning, which means everyone gets a whole year of knowing what they did the previous year. And granted, this team talk, talks about last year was last year, but when it comes to the experience and having everyone back together again, no one in the NFL has that. But the defending champions have that. I mean, we might as well, not even just 22 plus one was plus one with Antonio Brown. I mean, let's throw in there that the Bucks brought back Ryan Suckup as well. Let's talk about other depth pieces at wide receiver with Scotty Miller, who got a ton of time. Let's talk about the fact that Cam Brait is back with this football team, that the Bucks are getting back OJ Howard. It's not just all, all the starters. Everyone. No who did no anything doubt. significant on this football team. You want to look up. That's why the Bucs are being ranked as having the best offseason. They were the Super Bowl champs. And if you want to make a list, you know, what they gained, what they lost, you look at that loss column, and there is absolutely nothing for the Tampa but, Bay Buccaneers. But think about it. It wasn't like when you talk about winning the offseason, right? Usually it's a matter of, oh, well, you've got, you know, you've, you made a blockbuster trade, yeah, right. You made a blockbuster trade, but but no, what they did was they kept the guys who won a Super Bowl last year on their team, and it's not just keeping the guys; it's keeping guys that are good, or that are quality, and you know that's why this team, to me, is so unique from the standpoint of. Let's, don't, don't, let's not talk about going 17 and 0 in, in regards to that, because Chris Godwin was asked about that this week too, in regards to you know, you, have you given any thought about going 17 and 0? No, because what what teams do, what what locker rooms do, what coaching staffs do, is they talk about week to week. It's going to be a storyline all season until they. But lose, here's the thing. So. That's that's. I'm fine. not saying we, from we, me, we but in the that. national yeah. media, it's going to be everywhere, and that's fine. And that's fine. But those guys are smart enough. And that coaching staff is smart enough because the structure, the bottom line is, do you go out on Sunday and think you're going to win? Absolutely. Because if you don't, you'll lose. But you don't think we're going to win next Sunday and the following Sunday. You think about winning the first game, the game that's directly in front of you. And that's what gets you through the season. And then if you end up being undefeated, so be it. But you can't win the last one, until you win the one that's in front of you. That's the most important one. The next one, that's the most important one. Yeah, there's going to be plenty more to get into uh, once we get to training camp. And once the Buccaneers get to training camp, the team that they are going to have joint practices with this year is the Tennessee Titans. And a big topic a couple of weeks ago on this very podcast was Julio Jones and his exit from Atlanta. Both of us predicted that he would end up in New England. That is not what happens. One of the intriguing teams that both of us spent a lot of time discussing was the Tennessee Titans, who uh, A.J. Brown and those guys were very active in recruiting one Julio Jones. The trade happens earlier this week. Uh, effectively, it is basically Julio Jones for a second-round draft pick. The teams uh, swapped later-round draft picks in the trade as well, but for all – the for all intents and purposes, it is Julio Jones for a second round pick. 
I am a big fan of the move. Lynn, you were just talking about, you know, teams that possibly won the offseason. Uh, and it's usually about making a blockbuster trade. This is certainly a blockbuster trade for Tennessee. But you brought up the fact that you were worried about how they would use it. So I'll bring up two two questions for you. Number one, are you surprised that the Falcons were not able to get a first-round pick after reports were out there that they were offered a first-round pick? And number two, I'll just ask you, obviously you still got to be worried because nothing has changed, but elaborate on that worry as far as a, a fit goes for Julio Jones in Tennessee. Well, the, the first question first, no, I'm not surprised that they didn't get a one. No. Uh, the second question, I'm, I'm still not totally sold that it's going to be a home run when it comes to him being in Tennessee. One is the fact that they already have a number one wide receiver there. And it's not a knock on, it's not a knock on, on AJ Brown and it's not a knock on Julio Jones, his ability to, to come and adapt to playing in that offense, but they don't throw the ball enough to get the great value out of two one receivers. That's why I don't like the deal. I mean, there's going to be times where they're going to ask him to block Julio Jones, one of the one of the, the best wide receivers in the league the past decade. You're going to ask him to block the big guy. That's not why you got him. That's not why that's that's not why he was busting his butt to, to get into the NFL. That's not what he's proven. That's not what he's proven in Atlanta to being an all pro wide receiver and one of the best wide receivers this last decade in the NFL. It's not here to block. The guy's here to catch footballs. And in that offense, they don't throw it enough for him to be productive and to catch footballs. Again, I told you last week <laughs> there have been games, winning games in playoffs that the Titans won with their quarterback thrown for 87 yards. You think that's going to go over well when you've got A.J. Brown and Julio Jones now? It, this is, it's like having, it's like having a, 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 it's like having a Ferrari with no gas in your parking, in your driveway. What do you do with it? Oh, we got no gas. So it just sits there. What the hell's the purpose of having a Ferrari if you can't drive it and you got no gas? Okay, so two two things here. The Titans don't make this move if they don't intend on using him more than you think that they're going to use him. And number two, even though he was already on the staff, the Titans have a new offensive coordinator this year and Todd Downing uh, who is taking over was promoted from tight ends coach after Arthur Smith uh, I somewhat ironically took the head coaching job in in Atlanta uh, so maybe he wasn't going to use Julio as much in Atlanta but you got a new perspective in there with a different guy with a different guy calling the plays in there in there in Tennessee and to me the sign of what a great coach is is using your players to the best of their ability and get it, getting the most out of them. Arthur Smith definitely got the most out of uh, Ryan Tannehill for the most part. I think that they're going to, to use Julio. Well, Julio has a history of playing 
with other very good wide receivers, whether that was when he first got in the league with Roddy White. Because they threw the ball. Or more recently with Calvin Ridley. I am excited. Because they threw the ball. I am excited to see what Tennessee can do. Because, yes, Derrick Henry is great. Best running back in the league. Uh, I don't think we'll, we'll see another guy who has the chance to break some of the records that he's going to break for a very long time. But you obviously want to take some of the load off of him. That's why they've been trying to find a very good wide receiver, which they finally found in A.J. Brown, and now pairing him with Julio Jones. You don't think they're going to do it, but the play-action passing capabilities that they have with those two guys on the outside and Derrick Henry in the backfield is something that we don't see anymore in the NFL because teams aren't as much of a threat to run the ball as Tennessee is. And you have two legitimate deep threat, all pro type wide receivers. I am very high on Tennessee. And if you asked me a couple of weeks ago who I was picking to win that division, uh, you have your questions about Carson Wentz. I would have went with Indianapolis. Now I think Tennessee has stepped over them just slightly. And I said, when talking about the, the AFC, I think the Chiefs and the Bills are absolutely the two favorites. And then a lot of people were talking about the Browns as the team that could possibly step up and spoil uh, us seeing the same AFC championship two years in a row. Now I think you've really got to start considering Tennessee as that team. And I do think that we are going to see a lot of uh, play action passing out of this offense. If it doesn't work out, Todd Downey is going to be one and done in, in, in Tennessee. You get this kind of player, you've got to make it work. Yeah, I'm not letting you get away with that because you want, you want to compare the foul, his previous team with the team that he's on now. I wasn't comparing the team. I was just you, comparing you just the did. situation of receivers. Okay, okay then you have to compare the teams, okay? Because when you're talking about him playing with Roddy White and also playing with Calvin Ridley, you're talking about the offense that was in Atlanta. There was no Derrick Henry in Atlanta, okay? They threw the football there. Their, their offense was structured to utilize the wide receivers. That they gave Devontae Freeman him. the ball a lot. They gave him to him a lot, but he was not the, the number one offensive option on the Tennessee Titans is Derrick Henry. The number two offensive option on the Tennessee Titans is Derrick Henry. Everything else is after that. That's but I don't how, think it is anymore. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Don't fool yourself. Okay. You don't all of a sudden. You don't all of a sudden just stop giving it to a two thousand yard running. Back. I'm not saying you're stop. You're gonna stop giving He's, it to him, okay. but you're gonna utilize Again, him Trey, in different ways, and you have the threat of other things. Trey, he Trey. He's the number one and the number two option on that team offensively. That's not how it was in Atlanta. They may have given it to Devitt to uh, Freeman, Devontae Freeman. They may have given it to Tevin uh, Coleman, but those guys got it. And then they moved on to throwing the football. That's not how it is in Tennessee. When it's second and three in Tennessee, they're going to run the football. 
when it was second and three in Atlanta, there was the possibility that they would throw the football. But here's That's the thing. How it is. But here's the thing. I think that this changes that because on second okay. and three, you have you have Derrick Henry. You have your opportunity now to where on second and three, you can play action pass, fake the handoff to Henry and throw it deep to one of those guys. I that's why you make this move. You don't make we'll this see. move if you're if you're Tennessee and intend on doing the exact same thing that you've done. It boggles my mind that you think that they are going to not throw the ball in boggles your mind. Wow, they've been do- why they've been do- you can talk about So why make why make the trade? Because they wanted to get another weapon. That's why you make the trade and it, and but and if they aren't going to use them, you don't need another weapon. Trade. How many How many times have, have trades not worked out? Teams think things are going to work out. That's why you make the trade. But I'm not saying. Teams but I'm, make. But you're saying it doesn't. It, that they're not. That they're just it, not going to use them. I'm not. No, use them the way he's been used before as a number one wide receiver they already have a number one he's also at a different stage in his career calvin ridley stepped up to the point where he was probably the number one at stages last year okay maybe theoretically you're right when it when it comes to that as far as ridley's concerned but inside that building and inside that huddle and around that team you know who was the number one and was still the number one of course Julio Jones would still be the number one if he was on that football team, whether it was accurate or not when it came to the talent level and maybe Calvin Ridley exceeding Julio Jones at this point of his career. But the mindset was he was still the number one. And he goes to Tennessee with that same mindset of still being a number one. I'm not knocking him because that's how you get to that level of still thinking in your mind that you are still the bad mother that you were when you first came into the league from Alabama. That's how you get to that level. But when you're talking about why would Tennessee make this move, because teams have done this for years, thinking they could fit a guy, fit a, 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 a square into a daggone circle hole or, or a circle into a square peg. It don't work. That's how, that's how it is. Well, well that it, we're, listen, I'll tell you this much. Here, here's the thing. Theoretically, when it comes to how you're thinking about it, yeah, logically you say, I've got this guy, I've got that guy, and I got to find the best ways to use those guys. But you, what, you're not, what you're not taking into account is the fact that they already have a guy that is accustomed to having the football in his hands on first down and on second down. That's why I say <laughs> when it comes to getting the most out of Julio, it's not going to work because first down and second down is already accounted for. And that's going to Derrick Henry. <laughs> we'll definitely see what happens. I think they, they make this move because here's the they, thing too. they know here's, they need to throw the, the ball more to win. And Here's the thing. Here's the thing too that, that, that I didn't bring up. Okay. Last year, A.J. Brown, monster number one wide receiver. There was mm-hmm. a guy on the other side that left for the New York Jets and Corey Davis. Corey Davis nearly had a thousand yards last year. If... If Julio's okay with getting the, the same amount of touches, where he gets 850 yards, 900 yards, what Corey Davis got, that's fine. But here's what you need to realize. They traded a number two and didn't re-sign Corey Davis. And they put Julio Jones on the other side. And if he gives you the type of year Corey Davis gave you last year, it wasn't worth it. 
You could have just kept Corey Davis. That's why I say it's that's why I say it's not the right move because you're not gonna make you're not gonna give you're not gonna give the ball to Julio enough for him to get 1,100 yards, 1,200 yards. If he gets that type of year, then you were right. I'll come on here and I'll tell you I was dead wrong. But if the dude gets less than a thousand yards, it wasn't worth it because you had that from Corey Davis last year. That's why I tell you it's not worth it because you had a you had a third option to your offense in, in Corey Davis, who is now replaced by Julio Jones. Jones is not going to be no more than the third option. And if you decide offensively that all of a sudden you want to give Julio the ball enough that he gets 1,100 yards, then you were right and I was wrong. But that's not going to happen. But you've also got to think about, too, how defenses are going to game plan for this football team. And defenses aren't going to game plan for Julio Jones the same way that they game planned for Corey Davis. And that's fine. You're right. Okay. That, that's a, that's a solid point. That's a real good point. But in the end, in the end, unless those numbers change, unless the offensive numbers change, and all of a sudden your boy Ryan Tannehill finds a 300 yard game in the playoffs. And this team makes a long deep run in the AFC or uh, and well, I'll say or I won't even I won't even I won't even put the I won't even put the Super Bowl run on it. Make a deep run in the AFC. If if they make a deep run in the AFC and Julio ends up getting similar yards to what he had in Atlanta to a thousand yards, eleven hundred yards, then again the trade worked out. You're right about the game plan; it's concerned, but the game planning as far as having the game plan defensively it would go away if now. they don't use him that only that only is effective at the beginning of the year yes i agree with you okay and and that's that's what, that's what i'm telling you and there's no if you don't make a long run in the playoffs what the hell what the hell's the matter with the game plan what, what the yeah. game plan was no you're right and uh you also give me a ton of crap for pointing out when i'm right and i don't point out when i'm wrong <laughs> yeah. uh i'm gonna point out i'm gonna take i'm gonna take a big l right here uh, if you remember a couple weeks back talking about the nfl draft and i had a certain hot take jamie newman's already been waived by the eagles so i'll just I'll, I, <laughs> you give me a lot of crap for for, uh, no. for hey, voicing listen, my successes I, I am voicing I, I an l right here in front of all of our listeners you must be hungry you like that humble pie if it's a if it's a good old-fashioned dutch apple pie for, for Publix, i'll take that or key lime pie give me give, give me that, one of those that, and call it how's that pie. cool whip how's that cool whip on that humble pie <laughs> hopefully uh hopefully you'll be doing the same thing in terms of julio jones and the Tennessee hey Titans look later this season honestly i mean I'm I'm not I'm not a Titans fan, but I I, I won't I won't deny being wrong if, if that happens. Heck, Lord knows, like I said, we were wrong about the whole, you know, hey, the Bucks need a veteran defensive back. We said that for a couple of years and we were dead wrong about that. Number I one mean, thing I mean, this offseason, sign a veteran corner. Oh, yeah, especially once Brent corner. Grimes was gone. Oh, oh yeah, Brent Grimes is gone. Now oh we need a we need a leader in that we, we need a leader in that defensive back in yep. back room. And, oh, please. Like I said been dead wrong about things so i mean i, I won't i won't be shy about that I, I was dead wrong about not to take it to another sport i was dead wrong about trey young being in, in the nba i was dead wrong about justin fields although he hasn't taken a, a snap in the nfl just yet 
I mean, the way he played in the championship game against Alabama, the dude was lights out, was going through his progressions and throwing the ball all over the place. I mean, there's a list. There's a long list. Lens, long list of being dead wrong. <laughs> now we are entering – oh, really quickly, we're not, we're not going to get into this because this is a Bucks NFL podcast. Bravo, college football playoff. It's not official yet, but we're expanding. 12's a little weird. Eight would have been perfect, but I, don't like it. Don't I, I like give it. you I give you a clap for at least expanding, like it. and it is don't going like it. to guarantee that we don't see like at least one school not in the Power Five in the college football playoff. Don't like it every single year, but don't like it. We're not we're not going to no, get no, in. Nothing like nothing into. like nothing like nothing like diluting the regular season. Yeah, it's, I I do I I don't like the fact that you're possibly going to see like eight and four teams have a chance. You had classics. You had classics on Labor Day, Labor Day weekend. You had classics. You had you had matchups that mattered. Now those teams could lose on Labor Day and still make the playoffs. It's definitely going to be interesting to watch moving forward. I would have went with eight, but I'm glad it is expanding it is a dead period in the nfl offseason for the next month or so but len and i are still going to be with you every single week there are still going to be things to monitor as we move forward we're going to look forward to training camp and we'll talk about uh the things that we need to see and maybe the position battles that we are going to watch heading into training camp at the end of next month we'll also continue to monitor monitor the trade market Aaron Rodgers not showing up to mandatory minicamp uh Russell Wilson saying he never requested a trade apparently Deshaun Watson wants to go to Denver the NFL offseason never stops even though it is technically a dead period we will get into that all offseason one more time follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810 follow myself on Twitter at TD Experience and follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore nation and check out bucksnation.com as always for everything involving the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's Lynn. I'm Trey. This has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.